Hey all, what's up? It's Chase, and get prepared for an amazing episode. In this episode, we sit down with one of the 100 most powerful women in business by Forbes and Fortune, one of the most 100 creative people in business, according to Fast Company. My guest in the show today is the amazing Beth Comstock. She, the list of stuff, I could say all of the things, but it would take me like 35 minutes. She is an absolute powerhouse of a businesswoman, and she's just dropped a new book, and it taps into something that is so core to this community, to, to me, to you, and that is creativity, courage, and the power of change. I mean, come on, if, if I've stood for anything for you, it's that I believe that reinvention is possible at any point in one's life, that we can transform something we used to do and, and realize that we didn't care about into something that we love, whether that's career or hobby or life. That's what this book is about. It's, it's called Imagine It Forward, Courage, Creativity, and the Power of Change. It's an incredible book, and Beth, there's just she is a well a vision of wisdom. I mean, she's on the board of Nike, so we get to talk about how Nike has innovated in a way that other companies haven't. We talked a lot in this episode about her personal failures and struggles as an executive inside a Fortune 100 brand where she was the CMO of GE. And what Beth can do better than almost anyone is take this big business mentality and boil it down, distill it down to each and every one of us the individual entrepreneur, the creator, the small business person. The same ideas, ideas of innovation and reinvention and how you actually choose a direction for your life, for meaning, she has such an elegant way of unpacking that, not just at this big corporate level, but as an individual level. And what I love about Beth is that she is currently in the middle of reinventing her career. I think she said it at one point in the interview, like, I've been doing this for 27 years, and I, I left, I probably stayed too long, and I don't know what I'm doing. I'm scared, I wrote a book about it, and in this book she's incredibly vulnerable, and she also is in this interview. You're gonna love it. It's so inspiring to have her story on the show, to have her here with us, and you're gonna love the episode. I'm gonna get out of the way, but before we do, just a quick word from our sponsor. This episode of Chase Jarvis Live Show is brought to you by Creative Live. Creative Live is the world's largest and best platform for creative and entrepreneurial education. And right now you're saying, wait a minute, isn't that the company that you started? Yes, it is. It is my company, but they make this show possible. And if you don't know anything about Creative Live, you must check it out. It's where Pulitzer Prize winners, New York Times bestsellers, the best of the best teach photo, video, art design, music and audio, craft and maker, and the ability to make a living and a life in all of those disciplines. There is free content there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and there's also more than 10,000 hours of content for you to access on demand. You guys know I'm a huge believer in the power of daily habits, and today Creative Live, as a part of the sponsor announcement, wants you to know that they have a new, very powerful way to make education a part of your daily routine. That would be the Creative Live iPhone, iPad, and Apple TV apps. They're all free, and they let you watch all of the Creative Life classes that are on air streaming for free, anything you already own, and on the iPhone and iPad apps, you can watch one daily lesson of your choosing for free. That is one of 25,000 lessons 
for free, which is super, <laughs> super gnarly. To get those apps, go to the App Store, uh, iTunes, and search Creative Live, or go to creativelive.com slash apps. There you go. Now, let's get into the show. Congratulations. Thanks for having me. Thank Good you so you. much for being on the show. Happy to be here. Long time coming. Yeah. And congratulations Thank on you. the new book. Yes. It's we're gonna a cover, baby. We're going to cover a gorgeous cover, by yeah, the way. Yeah, I'm really happy with it. Rodrigo Corral's the artist. He's Rodrigo amazing. Corral. Well, we're going to cover a lot of ground. Um, of course, imagine it forward. Courage, creativity, and the power of change. Um, there's a lot of themes that, that your book covers that is are super relevant to our audience, whether they're... Um, I like to think of uh, the groups of people who watch the show. There's kind of two compartments, really. There are people who um, have uh, understand the value of creativity, entrepreneurship, building things. They've started. They, they identify with yeah. that, and they're they're trying to move on and upward in their career, their journey. And then there's the people who are just starting to figure out. Um, and so it's part inspiration. Um, we want to add a lot of sort of tactical things in there. And one of the things that I loved about your book, I, I, I'm going to sneak peeks at the galley here, which is... Um, night not, and day. Yes, night, night and day. Gorgeous. But my, my cover is, or my copy is all dog-eared and whatnot. Um, so let's start with the title. I think I, I was um, enamored with the title. I, I, I think a lot goes into naming something. Yeah. Words matter. So when you chose to write a book... Why did you name it Imagine It Forward? Yeah, well, it was quite a process to name it. I mean, because <laughs> one, I've learned when you do something yourself, you're too close to it, and, and maybe you're not the best judge. Yes. I, I don't know. I had dozens and dozens and dozens of titles. But imagination has always been important to me as I've had a business career and yeah. life, and I actually feel business doesn't value imagination enough. Yeah. Um, and that was the reason I was writing it. Um, other titles, like I kept toying around with this idea of permission granted because there's a big theme about giving yourself yes. permission. Um, it kept coming up with somewhat spiritual connotations, yeah. so I was having a hard time getting it to say what I wanted it. And you wrangle that into a business yeah, book. Right? Yeah, exactly. And then uh, I've often joked to myself, maybe I should have called it fail forward because I try to share a lot of things that didn't work. Yeah. Um, and so, but imagine it for it is just, it's, it's what was important to me. And I think that, that subtitle, Courage, creativity, and then it's a book about change. And I do think there's power in change. Most of us think we don't like change. I don't like change. Yeah. I'm not calling it's uncomfortable in the short term. Right? Yeah, and it's like, why am I doing this? I uh, caught up with an old uh, friend of mine. We went to college together, and I was like, oh, I'm working on this book. She's like, well, I'm not going to read it. <laughs> Thanks. She goes, because I hate change. Really good friend of exactly, yours, Exactly, right? yeah. I used to think she was the best friend. But um, <laughs> she's like, I hate change. And I think most people, when you say that word, yeah. so I felt like I needed to remind people that actually there is some power in change. It's not something you run from. And it's, uh, ironically, it's the only thing that's constant. It is. Right? I know. And you can feel it all around you. So aside from the title, uh, I, uh, let's go to the subtitle, Courage, Creativity, and the Power of Change. If... I think there's a, as run, you know, running a huge part of GE, you know, massive company, I think that there is an outward understanding, or rather I'll say the lack of understanding, of what goes into creating change, but what goes into innovation. Yeah. And, you know, for the folks at home who are solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, artists, creators, yeah. and don't have multi-billion dollar budgets, I think there's this, there's basically a gap in yeah, understanding really of how do you drive 
change. And, and what I'm here to, to try and bridge is that there's actually a lot of similarities. That what happens in individual and small scale, you've done in at arguably the, the largest scale in the world. So bridge a gap for me, like yeah. around, around change, around creativity, innovation. What are the, the habits that you have had to have as, a, as an organization that are probably similar to the folks at home? Yeah. Um, well, I think the, the, to me the guiding principle is just change starts with you. Um, and so you're in a big company, but it's still a very personal act. That's yeah. why I thought it was really important to be personal and share personal stories. But so I think for everyone trying to confront change and it, it really unleash their creativity, it starts with you knowing what you are good at and getting out of your own way. And yeah. I think that's the basic premise, big company, small company. I, one book I have always loved for much of my career, I guess since you put it out, is Twyla Tharp's Creative Habit. Incredible. I love that. I think yeah. that's a great business book. And yeah. she's a choreographer. I mean, uh -huh. she ended up having a nice business life, but really, she's an artist. Yeah. And what I got out of that, it was so inspiring to me, is just it's the discipline of it yeah. that without some discipline, creativity untethered is just chaos. Yeah. And so, again, in a company, you think, oh, it's just all process. I, you know, even saying it, like, yeah. I can't breathe. Right. Um, but yet, you need some of that discipline to make sure stuff happens. For so sure. I think there's, there's probably a, a right in those two things of, like, how do you get yourself going? And then how do you come up with some kind of practice or discipline around it? I remember leaving graduate school to become a photographer. And... There was, you know, in graduate school, it was, and I went to a particular graduate school, it was very rigid about how you needed to write and what were the, who were the, the canons in, in philosophy, what you needed to draw from and, and how you needed to be like. And so immediately I was like, oh man, I'm gonna go be a photographer. And, and I thought it was like, no one's gonna keep me down. I'm like, whatever schedule, I wanna yeah. feel creative. Like, and Screw the man. Yeah, <laughs> and, and the reality is that that didn't produce a lot of results. Yeah. Uh, I felt like there, were, there was a time where it was, you know, joyful, but that ended pretty quickly when I realized it didn't create results. So talk to me about, you know, discipline, but how does one, let's, uh, rather than one, how have you put the discipline that you just mentioned was required for change, for creativity, yeah. for innovation? How, how do you do that in your own life, both in, in, for yourself and in, in managing some of the biggest so for the first part about changing myself, I, um, I had to get out of my own way. I mean, I, I, um, especially earlier on, I was incredibly reserved, shy, introvert, and that held me back. Yeah. And I'm very, I've always thought I was a very creative person. I grew up with parents that really encouraged me to be creative. Oh, wow. um, and so here I ended up in the, these companies. I mean, I was in media at first, which is somewhat creative. Yeah. Um, but yet I held myself back because I was reserved. I would be the one always sitting back. Um, you know, I'm at the chip bowl. I'm never like in the, I'm never the life of the party. And I started just realizing people were getting their ideas out there and I wasn't. Yeah. And I'd leave there really, t well, first I'd come in timid and I'd leave pissed. Yeah. Because I was like, I, th I had a better idea than that. Or I thought that idea. And then he'd be like, but you didn't say it. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. And I'd see the people who were out there and participating and frankly realize I couldn't go for it if I didn't do something. So I just set a series of personal challenges for myself. You show up and ask one question. Come up with a crazy idea out in a meeting. You know, yeah. So just little small steps to put myself out there. Um, that was kind of what I had to do to get out of my own way. Yeah. 
And then I think for me, I ended up in this huge company, GE, worked my way through media to get there. And what was ironic, I, I don't think people believe me when I say this, but I, I, it's so true to me. I worked in this incredibly creative industry, media. I was at NBC and I went to GE. I could probably count on one hand the number of people who actually wanted to leave NBC to go to GE. There weren't many. <laughs> um, and yet GE was such a creative outlet for me. Wow. And Said, said not some, very many people, I no, wouldn't think, yeah, no, I get it. Probably very few people. <laughs> yeah. um, because at the positions that I had, I was able to connect dots and see patterns and see things. I was in a more horizontal position and it just suited me. Yeah. And I think it encouraged me to develop those skills that are, I think, uh, fundamental in creativity where you're connecting things. It's yeah. not that you have to have the best idea, it's that you have to see things maybe earlier in a different way than other people do. So. Those would be two examples. I mean, I, I just, I, I felt really unleashed creatively. Now, there was a lot of bureaucracy and process and all that stuff I had to fight, and I think yeah. that would be the other thing for me, just this sort of something came out of me, this not only like, you better get out there, but I gotta fight for these ideas. And, and a bit of a rebellion in yeah. somebody who grew up in a small town, good girl kind of person, this rebellion to say like, no, we're going to fight for this idea. We're going to keep going. I call it no is not yet. It's so, you know, it's just <clears throat> no. Okay, no is an invitation. What do you mean no? And how many times in companies do I, in companies I work for, people get told no and they leave and you never hear from the idea again. So out of that kind of environment, the bureaucracy and the process just brought out a rebel in me that I didn't know existed. There's some tenacity in yeah. there too and grit. Yeah, for a shy person, right? Yeah. It's sort of... It's that, it, it's tension. I want to unpack a bunch of things that you said. Uh, I also want to take a small tangent, which is I love the work of the artist Cristo, and I mm -hmm. just randomly had dinner seated next to him not too long ago. To oh, what sushi. a thrill. Yeah, sushi, he's a character at a sushi restaurant in the Lower East Side. And um, what he, the project that he did in Central Park, I, I heard that his approach, and this is a rumor, I didn't get this from his, his mouth, but that it took tw 23 years in the making when no he did, did the, I think it was called Bridges yeah. or Gates. It was all the orange. Yeah, 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 exactly, Gates or Bridges. And that managing through the bureaucracy, he looked at that as part of his creative process. Oh, because if he didn't, he would have gone mad and yeah. wouldn't have got things accomplished. Yeah. So it really dials into your, like, no is a no, it's not now or not yeah. yet. Or you whatever. can be Kafka or you can be Christo, maybe, is what I'm taking <laughs> from that, right? Either K, right? <laughs> yeah. I guess. Um, the, the, the idea that you could manage, you could be tenacious inside of an organization, I don't think that's a widely held belief. Yeah. So I want to go back to something you said you know, two paragraphs before that, which is like, I set up a series of small challenges for myself. And as the shy person who, as you said, would hang out by the chip bowl, yeah. you glossed over a couple of them, but there are thousands of people at home who are listening and watching right now saying like, I need that. So just, am I digress for yeah. just a second? Yeah, like, no. What are some of these things? And you, 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 you flew through a couple, but lay them out for us. Yeah. Like, what does it actually mean to break through and to, to try and get your ideas out there? Well, the first thing is just to um, just put them out there and realize they're, um, temp they're temporal. You know, you one idea today, you have another one tomorrow, five minutes later. And if you're like me, you overthink things. And so you, you, know, you imagine you have to go with this beautiful little gem. Here, Chase, I'm going to give you it's this well-cracked. <laughs> well, thank you yes. so much. And, and meanwhile, everybody's on to the next thing. Yeah. So you over, I overthink, I overthink, I overthink. And then 
like I put too much emphasis on it. So I, I had to learn that the ideas are just ephemeral. They go, then they're gone, and then you move on to the next thing. So don't overthink it. Okay. Um, two, like do your homework. Don't just, you know, I, I, I actually don't like that advice where people say, well, just show up and say anything so people know you were in the meeting. Well, like I think that's kind of dumb advice because what if you say something really dumb? Um, right. Just to get your voice out there. Right. Um, so I every time person X talks, it's very dumb. It's not going to get you We're very not far. inviting her to the meeting right. anymore. So I think you have to do your homework. Obviously, you have to come in and say, all right, this is the topic. I have ideas about X and feel confident about them. And that, yeah. I think, leads to the third thing is know your strength. So if I walk into a meeting on gap accounting, I doubt I'm going to feel very confident that I'm going to give you a creative idea. Creative accounting is one of the fields that we don't want. Don't want, especially <laughs> in gap accounting. And I know I, I did not do well in accounting. But um, I go in as marketer. Okay, yeah. that's my strength. What does the market say? What are the insights? What are the trends? When you go with your base of strength, yeah. it gives you confidence. And the gap accounting people can't argue with your, you know, with your marketing because marketing, they're not in marketing, although in marketing a lot of people think they are. But, um, <laughs> but so those would be a couple of things. And then just put an idea out there. And yeah. I, I often, for myself, I would find I do it in smaller groups. I mean, don't go to like the company's board meeting and launch your first idea. Yeah. Um, do it with a smaller group, maybe just a group of folks you go to lunch with and say, hey, what do you think of this idea? Give me some feedback. Um, so those are just, just, just really what I came to learn about change and innovation mm -hmm. is it's like a diet. I think it's just, why do we all buy, keep buying diet books? Maybe yeah. you don't, you look I pretty <laughs> fit, I don't know. But many of us keep buying diet books, but we don't want to do the hard work. Yeah. And change and innovation is the same thing. So um, you want to get an idea out there? You got to practice it and you got to have a routine to do it. So those would be a few, a few steps. One of the, thank you for that, one of the things that I loved in the book is the attention to storytelling. And as a marketer, obviously that, uh, that is a, a core pillar of yeah. marketing is you're telling stories because it's the, they need to be emotional connections. But you know, to what do you credit that, that insight or how have you employed it and maybe more prescriptively, like what do you see is, is missing from storytelling in contemporary sort of, I guess, pop culture marketing. Yeah. Uh, well, I think you and I are united in story. I mean, I, to me, it's the glue that connects everything. Yeah. And uh, in business, we often think it's what you do at the end, which really frustrates me because story is what it is to be human. It's, yeah. the, it's how we pass. It's, it's our DNA, right? It's our cultural DNA, whether yeah. you're a, a generation of your family, generation to generation, or a company. And we just forget that. And so I don't know, just stories always resonated with me. My mother was a school teacher. I remember her reading stories um, to me. I remember um, my first internship, I, went, I was a biology major in school. Uh, and kind of late in that trajectory, I thought I was going to go to medical school. But I realized what I wanted to be was a science reporter. And William Mary was, William and Mary was a great school, but they wouldn't let me do this like double science English major. Um, and I was really frustrated, but I got an internship at uh, the local public radio station. And it just reminded me, like, I'm, I have to tell stories in some way. I just, it brought that out in me. And I remember going to my hometown and doing interviews with um, migrant apple pickers in the apple orchards near my house. And they were singing these beautiful songs of, you know, that sort of passed the day away. So I just... I found those moments, and I was like, I want to be part of this. And for me, I wanted to tell stories about science. And in the end, I got to do that. 
at oh. GE, even though I wasn't a reporter and I wasn't very good in front of the camera. Eventually, I got to, I got to do that. And so in some way, I think story's just always been what's pu pushed me forward because it's how you make a connection. You know, yeah. I know your story. You were a photographer. Yeah. You studied philosophy. I have a connection with you now, yeah. rather than just, hey, you're Chase. This, you know, this, 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 you're famous. I, you know, <laughs> and I, what, what is it about story? I, I, why? I think we know it's important. We think it's soft. We think we're not good at telling stories. Like I'm not good at telling jokes, but I probably am better than I think. But we think we're not good at it. Yeah. Um, and um, and I think in today's world, just everything moves so fast. And we think that you have to be able to tell a story in 140 characters. And um, we're not Ernest Hemingway. We don't. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think that puts pressure on us. Well, that's for what it's worth. That's one of the reasons that this show is what it is. And you've done a lot of TV, a lot of speaking. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as have I. And you know that you're, gonna, it, you're lucky if you have a four-minute segment. That yeah. feels like an eternity yeah. on television. It's rare. Yeah. And to capture, it's more like 90 seconds or 120. And, to capture this little soundbitey thing. I get it, there's a culture that's moving fast, but there's also you know, the rise of sort of podcasts, for example. Yeah. I think that taps into something deeply human. Yeah. And of course, it's nice to be able to pop in your ears and go about your day, but I think, I think you're the, right. yeah, the utility is less, it's less about the utility of being able to listen rather than watch, and a lot more about the emotional connection that a story makes. Yeah. And you know, I'm gonna, you called it um, rewriting your story yeah. in particular. So that's a, a, for those of you who are not watching or listening, um, in the, there's a, a section in the book called Storycraft, um, and one in particular, a chapter called Rewriting Your Story. Talk to me about that for you. Yeah, so, um, well, I think part of my journey through GE was just always trying to connect to the story. We, we spent a lot of time connecting to the story of our past. Yeah. I think we all need to know where we're coming from to make sense of the future. Mm -hmm. So for us, it was reconnecting with Thomas Edison. Um, and in that, particular, in that particular case, it was right after the financial crisis. And sort of everything GE had thought was the future, you know, capital, financial services, this big conglomerate model, which was falling out of favor anyway, but it was totally just taken apart. Decimated, you yeah. know, the capital business suddenly was in peril and seemingly made no sense. And, and there was a march to be more technical, technically focused. So you had to tell a story about who are we? Where are we going? Why are we here? Uh, and again, back to that founding, you know, okay, these, these, these children of we're, we're Edisonian DNA, like this invention machine is in our DNA. How do we reinvent ourselves again for the future? And so what we did is we just returned to the stories of the people who work at GE. We knew we wanted to get more into a making future. Making great machines was already in works, like we wanted to do more of that. So we just returned to the stories of the actual people who make things and let them tell the story. And my favorite story of that is um, we went um, to the, air, the one of the factories that makes aircraft engines, jet engines. Mm -hmm. And these people were amazing. Um, and surely flown on planes, but they had never seen the engine they made take off. So they didn't really have a direct connect to, I made this, here's the, the impact. And it's moving 270 there. people. So we took them to six. Boeing Field. Oh, wow. And they got to watch their engine take off. Like they were yeah. bawling, crying. Like, we could have told a nice story about these people who made it, and you would have liked it, but to see that, like, yeah. that said everything. Human, raw. Human, exactly. Yeah, like there's unmediated emotion. So I think in those moments of change, in those moments of, oh my gosh, um, who are we? Yeah. What do we stand for? 
I bet it's in the human story, and that's where you need to go unpack uh, before you put together some fancy business strategy. I'd start with your story. So, put a pin in that for a second. You just talked really eloquently about um, rewriting G's story after a financial crisis. We're going to get back to the basics. We're going to yeah. get back to people making things. How could you do me the favor of flipping the script on yourself? Yeah. So you again, top 100 most powerful women in business, you know, managing Fortune 100 marketing. Um, but now you, you don't do either of those things. You're you've captured one of the things I love about books is that you know entire lifetimes and all wisdom is captured in yeah. books. But what are what's how are you thinking about your own personal journey here and what story are you writing or rewriting? Yeah, that's such a good question. I, um, so I left G at the end of last year. Um, I knew I was going to leave at some point in the near term. How many years, first of all? 27 years if I count the NBC and the GE. I mean, it's an eternity these days. <laughs> and I probably stayed too long, which is a whole other discussion. But I was passionate about the work we were doing. But so I, I'm like, hey, I'm a about change, I call myself a change maker. This is gonna be easy. It's been a really challenging year um, because it is back to that, who am I? Yeah. What am I? These I mean, are fundamental Fundamental questions. and simple things get reinforced. Uh, another friend said, uh, you know, I remember once, like, how do, I, uh, how do I introduce you anymore? Like, well, I still have a name, my name's <laughs> Beth, but I don't have a title, right? So, so again, like, on one hand, you don't, I don't care. Yeah. On the other hand, I do care because I worked for that. And it's, it was a way to shorthand. And you're representing a company and people, you, you, you get access. Suddenly, it's just me. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really hard. And what do I want to do? And I, I think what I've sort of, the narrative I've come comfortable with in myself, going if I go back to what we said earlier, you know, where did you come from? Where do you want to go? What are you good at? Yeah. Uh, and how do you put those together? Um, storyteller for sure. But I think really the, the, the word I keep being drawn to is beginner. I just love learning. Yeah. I love starting over. And so now maybe I have this opportunity to start over with some wisdom. And I want to do something in a very different way. And I'm not sure what it is. And I've tried not to pressure myself. But it's really hard. I, um, in the first few months, <laughs> so pathetic. Oh, I, I love this. This I is had, beautiful. I had this. Because I, I was like... I'm a, I, if my, if what I share in the book a lot is me coming up with, my, me finding social courage was a lot of what that story's about. Mm -hmm. Working with others, all that. Now I feel like my destiny for me is finding creative courage. And so I was like, okay, great. So I took an art class. Oh my gosh, it was, I was so bad. And I love art. And I used to do it when I was a kid, but I was just too uptight about it. I took an improv class. I took, I've just been, nothing's this. fit yet. But I'm still out there trying different things. But, um, but you put these pressures, you know, and so I still had these old patterns. So I'd sit there in the morning and I'd have my to-do list. But I did creative flourishes with it. And they were beautiful to-do lists. I have to say, I was quite creative. I got my, my different colored pens out and like, today is Tuesday. And I spent like half an hour on Tuesday. On Tuesday and I had each to-do thing in beautiful colors. And it, it was a word. I even had a little stand I bought for it. Wow. But then you realize, like, okay, you're pathetic because you still have a to-do list. You're still yeah. in a sort of routine yeah. and doing things the same old way. And then I threw myself into the book, and I'm just like I used to be, working crazy, like 
frenetic, <laughs> and like that's not what I wanted. I'm, I'm happy with the book, but I, that's yeah. not going to give you. my creative yeah. courage thing. So, um, so I think I've learned that about myself. I am much clearer. Um, anyway, that could go. I no, could go please on a do. Lot. Like this is what people want to yeah. hear. Like, you're again one of the most recognizable and successful women in business, and I think people we all want to hear stories of reinvention and that it's hard for the people who are at the pinnacle of their career. People who taste not hard, I wouldn't believe them. I mean, maybe there's a rare person that they know exactly what they want to do and good for them. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think you just have to kind of stop and wallow in things. Yeah. And the ambiguity, I pretend like I like ambiguity and I'm generally good about that in business. I'm actually really good at it in business for myself. I like certainty, I like structure. On my coffee, on my to-do list, yeah, I want to stand for my to-do list. Exactly, so, um, so I had to wake up to those realities that yeah. um, what I say and who, how I act are very different things. Um, so I think you have to just, and be kind with yourself, yeah. be okay that you don't have the answer, or that, that you, you know, I just like, I'm an artist. This is my chance. I'm going to do this, and like the first thing I do looks horrible, and it's like a five-year-old did it, and you just want to cry, and you want to just like throw your crayons on the paper and walk away and go, oh my God, I, you know, I'm not an artist. I'm an artist in the way I live, all that, but I, I, like you just you just don't pick it up and be brilliant. Yeah, that doesn't happen. Yeah, there's a work, and it's funny we were just talking about a mutual friend of ours, Seth Godin. Yeah, he gave a great quote for your book which is this book is a rare grift, an honest behind the scenes look at power, success, and influence combined with vulnerability and practical advice. Book you cannot soon forget. And one of the things that he had just said, I know you guys just missed each other. I would have loved to have you cross paths. But um, he talks about if you haven't, you know, if, if you look at the work and you acknowledge that it's not good, your your role is singular. It's to keep making. Yeah. And to me, that is a, that's a theme that, you know, for the hundreds of people who have been on the show, there's this sort of a relentless continuance of, of doing the hard work. It, you know, it is hard work. Yeah. I mean, I have had five websites this year trying to get ready for a book. Five. And here I'm thinking, I've been somebody who's done digital and media. I'm supposed to be the expert. Five. <laughs> five websites. And, like, it's so frustrating, right? But yeah. that's what you have. You, you, what are you going to do? Yeah, you're, you're going to not work. do it? Yeah, you're not going to do it. And so I've learned a lot, but it's, um, it's, it's hard work. For sure. So thank you for sharing that stuff. I think that's, that is, it's super meaningful on, on the tip of reinvention, but also on, on, on doing the work, on being uncomfortable, on being vulnerable. Those are all essential. If Brene Brown were here coaching us, she would say, good job, keep going. Yeah, and there's yeah. this sort of keep going aspect of it. Um, so I want to put a pin in that, and I want to shift back to sort of the, the professional career. And, and to me, you, I think it was um, the, the innovation gap. Mm -hmm. Was it innovation gap? Imagination gap. Imagination gap. Yeah. Um, I'm big on the word imagination. Yeah, it's it, clearly imagine it forward. Um, Ba -ba. Our tagline at G was imagination at work. I just, I, I, that word is so powerful to me in business. Yeah. And I just, I, I feel like I have to be a vessel for it in some way. Well, you, you picked a great medium. I think it's, it's, it suits you really well and you've done it in business. And now that you're bringing it out to us in this form that's super digestible, because I think people look at GE and innovation, imagination, you're like, wow, I don't know. No, those I, don't go together. Yeah, I don't, I don't know yeah. where. That's, it's hard for me to grasp. Yeah. Uh, and that's why you embody it 
um, as the human. So I want to explore this idea of the gap. Uh, I have on the show talked about uh, Ira Glass, uh, the creative gap, and that is the gap between the, the, the image you saw, the completed image that you saw with your crayons before you started drawing, and then the one that you actually created, yeah. and presumably there was a gap there. You're the like, I wanted, to, I wanted to draw something beautiful. Yeah. And the, the way that you close that gap is repetition. Yeah. And so, you know, by extension or through that lens, what is the imagination gap? And how, is, is the goal to close it? Is the goal to create it? Is the, explain your philosophy there. Yeah, well, I just, I feel like I learned this across multiple industries, working in the company and the businesses I did. Um, it's just, I think over time, our businesses have become mechanistic, almost machine-minded. It's all about the formula. Mm -hmm. It's all about the math. And look, that's important. I'm not, I'm not arguing to get rid of that, but we have given up on imagination. And to me, imagination, I'm refining the, the definition for the sake of this, to be kind of those leaps of faith and creativity, the ability to think ahead about unintended consequences, both good and bad. Yeah. Um, the ability to wallow in ambiguity and be okay not knowing the answer. And I, I really worry in business, especially the bigger a company gets, yeah. when it goes public, there's that pressure of just repeatable, precision, certainty. All of our models for business's future are based on the past. And so we're not ready for these disruptions. I mean, you remember in 2000, right after 9-11, yeah. Um, Black Swan as a concept came out. Um, the book came yeah. out and the, the concept, you know, these hundred year, thousand year, how many of those have we seen since then? Yeah. Like every day. Yeah. And yet we're still believing in business we are in a risk-free environment where our job is to rid, mitigate and rid us of risk. Imagination and that kind of practice in business yeah. says you're ready for it. Yeah. You, you figure out how do you make it work because you're not going to get rid of it. And I just, I'm actually worried. I'm really worried. I share a story in the book about um, I was invited to speak at the CIA. I loved that. I wasn't, uh, I'm sure I wasn't. You approached I, the podium. They're like, why friend. is she here? <laughs> and they're probably still saying, like, why was she no, here? No, I love that. I love that. <laughs> um, but um, but I, I was really important. They may help me make my point because you recall after 9 11, the 9 11 Commission said the CIA had suffered a failure of imagination yeah. because they couldn't imagine that some of the forces that were happening um, with terrorism, you know, it was a more distributed terrorism world. And they, they were going in their old models of doing it. Well, business is exactly the same. And so how do we, how do we get more of that in it? It's education. I mean, it's yeah. what you're doing with Creative Live, right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, the reality is I worry a little bit. I'm glad everybody's learning to code. I think that's important. But where are the critical thinking skills, yeah. the judgment? the ability to think expansively, to be okay not knowing the answer. Yeah. We're not certainly training people in work to do that, and I don't think we're training people in, in secondary and, and, and college education to do that either. Yeah, the STEAM versus STEM, and, and yeah. I, I think that's a really maybe a prudent time to inject. So Jack Ma, um, obviously what Alibaba, yeah. you know, whatever, multi-billionaire, multi one of the richest uh, people on the planet, he was asked at the World Economic Forum, like, about education, and I'm paraphrasing, radically paraphrasing, but it was like, look, you people don't understand it. Like, the, the coding ship has sailed. Yeah. The machines are gonna be writing code for the machines, yeah. and right now we are- gonna jobs. Yeah, right now we already have a robot with two arms, and when the right arm learns something, it writes code on the fly for the left yeah. arm. Yeah, yeah. And 
So what my kids are learning is about creativity. Yeah. It's about painting what, and, what do you, and artistry. Like, what do you, I'm really fat. My kids are grown. I hope they did some, some, somewhat a decent job on that. But what are, you, what are you exposing them to? What are you, what are you teaching them? So I think that the, the way, to, I don't have kids myself, but um, at Creative Live, I think we largely serve people who have already identified as creator. But as I said at the early part of the show, there's a whole subset of people who are we're trying to inspire them. What we realize is that you have to be inspired before learning and or we can yeah. sub sort of so interesting? curiosity yeah. in there and so if people like oh I don't know what it feels like to be inspired like okay what are you curious about oh curious about and it, like don't make this a big thing like when you see a thread that makes you want to pull out what does that thread look yeah. like and then as soon as you pull do you feel more excited or less excited yeah, yeah. and and so there's this inspiration piece and you know in large part we find that people consume, we, we had billions and billions of minutes, if we're using Creative Live as an example, billions and billions of minutes of, of education consumed on the platform, and there's a lot of it that's exploratory. Mm. Like, and, and you know, I wanna go here to this, this concept that you have in the book about discovery. Yeah. It's very similar. It's like, you have to actually play. Think about your, the doodles that you did yeah. on, you know, like making your to-do list, and you know, you're. It's, they were beautiful. Yeah, we, we can discredit <laughs> them for their functionality, yeah. but you can say that they're beautiful. Yeah. But a way in which they were useful, yeah. which is both different than sort of, you know, the other two. Useful is that it was play. Yeah, yeah. And and that is like such a word you don't hear at work for sure. Right. Right. Yeah. And so that's the way that. Um, I think what we're experimenting with is there are people who come to the platform and they identify with the thing and we want to give them all that. But we also show them just enough of other things yeah. where they can play and move laterally. Yeah. For me, I have to, in order to have breakthroughs, I have to go through this process of being sort of border frustrated. And to say bored, it's mostly like, okay, I'm just doing this thing. Why, why am I doing it? I need to, it's yeah. awareness, really. And then I need to say, oh, now it's my job to play. And immediately do when I... Do you use those words? I do. I use play, yeah. Um, and this is after a uh, book that a friend of mine wrote named Charlie Hone, and it's called Play It Away. And it has a lot to do with anxiety, and if you mm -hmm. actually tap into some of these things that w when you were a kid, there, it, it's just this big unlock. And you don't have to know everything. What you have to know is what to do now, mm -hmm. and then now, and then how about now? Yeah. And if you're, if you're oriented toward play and experimentation, that's why you know, when you talk about the imagination gap, what you're doing is that's a muscle. Yeah. Creativity is is a habit, not a skill. Yeah. And so what can you do to put yourself like think of the other muscles that you want to build. You put those under duress, small duress. Yeah. Not like you're not going out on the Olympic stage. What's so small ways that you can do that? And so I would argue that your your doodle is is valuable. Hmm. Um, it's a great way to think about it. I used to think um, when we had at GE, when we, we GE was really big on leadership development and training, of course. and it spent at the time I was there up to a billion dollars training people across the company. It was a huge commitment, yeah. uh, and it was really some great programs. But back to this, I always thought like maybe we should be shaking it up a little bit too. Like yeah. what would happen if we just took a group of people instead of in a cl traditional class and like took them to I don't know, pick any city in the country, Akron, why not? And say we're going to take your, we're going to take your wallet. Hey Akron, we're coming for you. <laughs> and we're just going to come You have to figure out how you're going to get back, right? We're not going to we're not going to book anything for you. I mean, maybe you have to give them their phone or something. Even though, if you could be really cool, you could take their phone away too and just see could they figure their way out of it. Like 
to me, those are the kind of things what is that? we... Is it Naked and Afraid? Is that it, the show? Is that the name of the show? <laughs> yeah, no, I wasn't quite what I was thinking of at work. That would have been really uncomfortable. Awkward. But yeah, awkward. Yeah, but, I but I do think those are the... That is what you're trying to fill with the imagination gap is that fill that gap is the figure it outness the yeah. cu the curiosity i love the way you put inspiration and curiosity so you're trying to put people in a situation to inspire themselves yeah that they can figure it out for sure right not that somebody have, has to tell them for sure you have to, that's like the, there's this ultimate sort of turning of the finger it's like instead of like entertain me yeah it's exactly. like let, let me entertain yeah. me. It's like and my kids used to say, oh, but I'm bored. Oh, my God, it made me... It was like, that was like the worst thing they could say, I'm bored. Like, it's exactly that. Yeah. I'm bored. And I think that happens at work to what you were... You know, like yeah. you have that feeling. And right. when people go, I'm bored, I think they have a choice to be cynical or to take action. Give themselves permission to just do or to be cynical. I, I talked about this group that I worked with once. They called their group the Table of Lost Dreams. And they clearly had taken that path of bored Cynicism. to cynical. Yeah. And Oof. there was it was a black hole. Yeah, that's right. And they were funny. Sense, yeah. They were really funny. I yeah. have to give them credit. They yeah. they made you laugh with their cynicism. <laughs> but who wants to work with people like that? Yeah. I don't have that appetite. I, was, yeah. I can tolerate a lot of things as a leader. Like cynicism, I'm like, what? I need to go explore this yeah. and, and figure out. And you think about critical thinking because I, I, again, if that's in short supply in the imagination gap, where to me it's judgment, right? Well, just make a decision based on your best knowledge. Yeah. And people get frozen, um, and they're unable to make those judgment calls, and they wait for people to tell them what to do. I always um, marvel at uh, larger institutions, and what Creative Lab, we built this thing, for, uh, an enterprise product, mm -hmm. and it's been ramping up really quickly. It's very successful by you know, category-defining brands, the ones that you'd, you'd think about. Yeah. And um, what we find is that they're investing in the whole human. Mm. So, you know, sort of training or, or learning inside of an institution or, or a bigger company used to be like, how can you, we give you this exactly. widget so that you can do your, how can we teach you pivot tables so you can be better at your, you know, um, project management yeah. job? Yeah. But that's, who does that, who, who does that serve? Yeah. That really serves the organization. Yeah, exactly. And what we've experienced, especially with around creativity and innovation, which you know, accidentally we built the best catalog in the world for that. It's like, no, no, we want you to take pictures of your kids. Mm. We want you to experiment, and the things that you're going to do on the weekend are going to energize you, and you're going to, you know, neuroplasticity is not a joke. It's yeah. like you're literally retraining your brain to use new pathways, and the the surgeon that you know is also a musician is more likely a better surgeon. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I think as, as we've thought about how to empower organizations and, and going back to your you know, imagination gap, I think there's some solutions there. But let's shift, if we can, to, to the way that you thought about discovery. Because obviously there's a lot, there's, it's tangential yeah. what we're talking about. So talk to me about, the, the, it's a beautiful chapter in the book on discovery. Why, why is it in the book? What do you mean by it? And how, how did it? manifest in your world yeah uh, to me <clears throat> it is the most uh, it, it's what i feel most passionately about it is i think the just a critical step in being ready for change and thinking about the future imagining it forward you have to get out in the world you have to just get out and discover you can't just have people tell you what's going on in the world you have to go see for yourself i mean it's just that simple go yeah. see for yourself what happens when you pick your head up and it's counter to everything we're we're 
teaching and studying and work. Yeah. It's all about focus and productivity and efficiency. And I don't have time for that is usually what people say. I don't have time for that. Yeah. I say, how do you not have time for that? Yeah. Um, and so discovery is just getting out, going and just being good at getting good at pattern recognition, which then helps you build confidence about trends that are unfolding. It's that simple. It's not scientific. I have a little me mechanism I use called going on threes. It's first time I see it, I go, huh, interesting. Out in the world, I spot something that's interesting. Um, second time, wow, I'm seeing this in two different contexts. Huh, is that a coincidence? Third time, there's something going on here. I just declare it's a trend, and I got to figure out what it, what it means. I shared in the book um, uh, sort of the early maker movement and how, yes. I mean, people have been making forever, so not like I went back to <laughs> Stone Age, but, yeah, but the latest, painting the latest early maker movement, uh, the, craft, the return to craftsmanship that we're seeing. And we just went and looked at that as the impact it could have on GE as a manufacturing company. Mm -hmm. And now you could say, oh, that's cute. You know, I went, went to Makerspace, Brie Pettis' place in, uh, in Brooklyn. You could yeah. say, oh, isn't that cute? Like, uh -huh. they're making these things. Then you go, well, wait a minute, that's cute, but they're making solar panels and water purification, and people are going to be living off the grid making these things. That's Vertical farming. Exactly. Yeah. That potentially could disrupt us. Yeah. How do we, and they're doing it faster, cheaper, potentially better. How do we understand that? So I think part of your challenge in discovery is not just to be the person in the company who's like the cool kid who's always like, I got the trendiest thing, let me tell you. It's how, how might this trend impact us? Yeah. And so you don't have to pay attention to everything, but you do have to sort of do that translation function a bit. Do you have a, an example of something that you've recently seen in threes beside? The maker movement's a great example because I yeah. think you're like, wait a minute, maker, maker movement, maker bot, maker, there's like a, it's, it's like a, it's, it's become a pop culture term, even though making has been around, yeah, as you for, said, for like since yeah. the Stone Age. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think it's interesting. Uh, a couple of things I, I'm sort of trend watching on. I think um, people are seeking out more analog experiences. Yeah. Um, we're inundated with digital, and I believe, and I'm seeing enough trends now that people are gonna pay a premium to create, be, have experiences created for them, that yeah. people take away their phone, take away, create something else. Yeah. Uh, we're already seeing that in some, some cases. Um, so I, I mean, really intrigued by that. Yeah, today uh, at Apple is a great example, super brave, bringing people together to create in, in, in stores at Apple. Yeah. Um, I, I volunteer that because- Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I just was a part of it, but I, I think this, the concept of analog, keep going on no. this, because I think it's powerful. So that, I'm, I, I'm not sure where it goes, but yeah. <clears throat> it's on my radar. Um, since I'm no longer employed, I, um, and I'm in the world of people who have side hustles um, uh, I, I, and different definitions of themselves, I, I, I'm really just for myself and others seeing this, this growing trend of professional fluidity. And we all want, we don't just want one title. We don't want just one job that we're doing. Yeah. And our company's going to be good at that. Probably not on the path we're on. So yeah. does that mean we're all going to leave companies? Yeah. Right now, I on the five websites I've built, I'm I'm getting great talent. It's not the people who were bad; it was me. But I'm able to access amazing talent of people who are frustrated in their day job, or they're not able to express themselves in the way they want to. 
And so I think that's a growing trend that maybe has already existed and I'm just catching up with it. No, but I think for established yeah. companies, it's definitely, and probably people who are part of the Creative Live community, yeah. that's why they're here, is they, sure. they want to hone those skills. They want to, they consider themselves a hyphen. Yeah, it, used it, to it be, is. It used to be like, a, well, you, can't, you can't say that many things yeah. about who you are. And now it's like, oh, you're a YouTuber, you're a creator, exactly. you're an entrepreneur, you're, you're bam, 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 bam. And to me, that's not only is that not going away, it's it's mainstream. And there's some great data. Like I don't, I don't remember. Uh, by 2020, half of the American working population is going to have a side hustle. Mm -hmm. Now that's not 2030 no. or 2050. That's that's a year and a half from that's now. That's amazing. Yeah. And what's that? How many? Half. 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 half and I don't know what the work I think it's like 80 million yeah. or something. And some like of it may be the economy, but For I think sure. I think because you can mm -hmm. access to the opportunities yeah. with digital tools is yeah. so much better. Uh, I think people were inspired by people doing it. I mean, you've got David Solomon running Goldman Sachs, who's a DJ, yeah. right? So we've now got mainstream examples of people defining themselves <laughs> as hyphen. Right, uh, and also you mentioned the workplace. Uh, you know, how can you do do all these things? I also look at education, like. There's institutions that are, you know, made of marble on hills, covered in ivy, where physical real estate is really important. And I get the analog component of that, but they're also like when you go to school and you learn something, you come out with a thing, and it's four yeah. years. Yeah. Like, the reality is, is that can't possibly keep pace with the rate of change, and sort of reskilling re and learning. So that's the writing on the wall. I think we're about to see. 50% of the U.S. colleges will be out of business in the next 10 yeah. years. I, and I remember in colleges, uh, it, it, many of them still do it, you had this sort of general studies or kind of, I don't even know what they call it these days, but it was kind of like, you don't know what to go figure it out. And it was kind of looked down on. Like, For sure. We should be having more of those. I mean, yes. If I could go back and have that even just science and writing together, yep. like I might have had a much different career path had that been unlocked in me. So I think I'm going to use that to latch on to this term that you do a lot of talking about in the book, which is fear. Yeah. It's, I think you, the way you say it is, it's not about ideas, because there's lots of ideas. It's about fear. So whether it's you going back to school or someone who's watching and listening, deciding to um, you know, take on their next challenge or write a book or draw their to-do list, um, what role I think let's, let's talk about it in two ways. One, how does fear manifest itself? Because there's a lot of people who are, again, who are full-time employees are watching and listening. They want to be inspired to go work yeah. or, or take that into their own world. So let's talk about how fear manifests itself in an organization and what you can do about it. And then we'll talk about fear in the individual after that. But for now, how does fear manifest yeah. itself in an organization and what can those organizations do about it? You're a leader. And you, you've you've managed through this, so help these people. Yeah, I wish out. I had uh, learned this earlier in my career because, I, to me, one of the secrets of just life, but certainly business, is that most people are actually really afraid. Yeah. And so they they act badly because they're afraid. They're afraid of losing face. They're afraid of losing power. They're afraid of losing a, a job. They're afraid. They're just everybody comes to work with some fear of some something, being a fraud, not knowing the answer. Yeah. And it just gets manifest at work because it's theater. We just sit here and pretend like we're supposed to be so good and I have this expertise and I know the answer. I mean, how many, I can, I've lost count of how many times I sat in meetings where people just act like they know what they're talking about. And then you realize later, like, 
They have no clue what they're talking about. They are just good actors. And all that time I felt intimidated yeah. that they were such geniuses. Now, there are also geniuses. But, um, so I think that would be, I think in companies we don't talk enough about fear because it's fearless. It's the bravado of business. We know all the answers. And so we're just, we're just kidding ourselves. So I don't, I mean, I think it'd be hard to t bring your team in, anyone who's, you know, okay, tomorrow we're going to come in and, like, tell me your fears. Trust falls. And, <laughs> and do all that. I, 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 it's probably a bit unrealistic. So I think as a team leader, you can be aware of that. Um, I talk about a few things in the book. I mean, just simple things, but, like, name your fear. Give it a crazy name. Like, let's all just be honest, right? Like, we're afraid of the competition, right? We're Nike, we're afraid of Adidas, right? Let's yep. just say that. Let's yeah. call it something goofy. Let's call them the, you know, the, I don't know, come up with a creative name to make it seem less fearful. Um, but just call it what it is. Um, get to know the people, your colleagues, who you're afraid of. I see so many things that I did in my career where I was just afraid of the other person. I was afraid to tell my idea. I was afraid how they were going to react. I was afraid that they knew more than I did. And what I didn't do is get to know them as a person. I used to have an advisor who would say to me, just take him out to coffee. Oh, I can't stand him. What do you mean I have to take him to coffee? I don't even like meeting with him. Now I have to go have coffee with him? Yeah. And I never did those things. All right, it took me a while to do them. So sometimes it's just stopping and getting to know each other as people, not yeah. as, well, that's sales. Well, I'm marketing and you're... Oh, no, you're Tom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I'm and, the human. Or there you go again, you engineers. You always do that. And yeah. so it just instills those fears of... Uh, and so I just, I, again, it's, it's kind of basic what you had said earlier, kind of bringing that to But everything's human. basic. It is like, basic. Like we're talking, this is. is blocking and this is, is simple. This is like, that's one of the things that I've realized in having the good fortune to sit yeah. down with a lot of smart people like yourself is that there are very simple patterns. And by and large, the, the solutions are not, you know, about how to land on the moon. Like, yeah. it's, it's about... Literally about taking your colleague out to coffee yeah, to, to connect with them as a human and try and transcend the problem that you're and having. And I think when you have that, that anxiety or just say to yourself, I'm afraid. Like, it's okay. I, when have I been here before? Yeah. I love that as a technique. When have I been here before? And it either turned out or didn't. What, what remember? Like, it turned yeah. out okay or yeah. it didn't, but you didn't do that this time. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a pep talk you give to yourself. Um, I, um, I, I still have this feeling where that you've taken a risk on something, you're so afraid, like you can't sleep, you get up early the next day, you just become a mess, right? I mean, that happens. I, I, up until the last day I worked, I probably had those moments. It's not like yeah. you suddenly get more senior or you have all this expertise and you don't have fear. In some ways, your fear gets bigger, yeah. right? Because it's a bigger stage and more that you can... Um, so I think that's the other thing is just that is a part of the experience. And it's not like suddenly I, I have this new job. I don't fear as I'm much. I'm fear-free. Yeah, no. Said no one yeah. ever. A bigger paycheck, a bigger title, more people on your team does not take away your fear. If anything, it exacerbates it. So that's, I think, super helpful from a business context. Let's go out to the individual. And because individuals are what make up businesses. Yeah. And also, you know, individuals are the people who we're in their ears right now. So, so I, and the more you can give about your own experience, yeah. like the, the better. So talk to me about a time where specifically you were afraid and what did you do about it where you actually were successful and then maybe a, a, a one where you were not successful. Yeah. Um, 
Well, uh, there's so many that wasn't successful. Um, you do you do a great job of, of sharing. About the no, of sharing in the book. Honestly, it's like um, it's very. I, I mean, there was a there was a fun one that I had in the book of just I, I worked at CNN Turner Broadcasting and I worked for Ted Turner and he didn't know my name and I'd given him no reason to know my name. I was the PR person and he, but I. I showed up and did a good job, but he didn't know my name. And I was afraid to tell him my name. It was just so stupid, but it was a real fear at the time. And I just, I was like, this time I'm going to do it. I want to walk up. I'm going to introduce myself. And when you read the book, you'll see I, I picked the worst time possible. <laughs> I picked a really inopportune moment to, to do it. And he was coming out of the men's room, zipping his fly and wet hands. And I'm like, hi, Ted, I'm Beth. And he's like, Okay, hi, whatever. And you know, like now I can laugh about it, but at the time, like, so, oh, like, yeah. you, you do those things, like, just, you do them awkwardly, right? Yeah. Like, there's, and I, I probably just went home and just, oh, yeah. you idiot, right? Like, you bozo. I live to tell about it, but you have to laugh at those yeah, things, you have right? To, you have right. to laugh. And we all have those. They're so dumb. They only matter to you. Maybe as an introvert, they matter more. I don't know. And then there were, there, I shared a story of, um, a big company we'd invested in and um, partnered with in Corky, uh, a great founder who I really loved working with in Ben Kaufman. And it was this model of connected devices and we were just early. Mm -hmm. And um, I just had a lot of fear of what if this doesn't work? And it was almost like by will, we're together, we're gonna make this work. The co his company went bankrupt and everything we had tried to do didn't work. And I've also started to think that sometimes, I don't wanna say like you, the fear becomes real, like you will the fear to happen. Yeah, but there is a bit of that where yeah. you're so fearful and you try everything you can, like there comes a moment when you just have to say, I've done everything I can, I gotta walk away. Yeah. And so that's another way of thinking about fear in yourself yeah. is, uh, that's why I stayed at my job probably longer than I should have. I was afraid of betting on myself. And so I think that's another, like sometimes fear keeps you from giving up quitting sometimes you just do need to quit yeah quitting. and say this is i've done all i can do and it's fear of failure fear of looking like a fool fear that i didn't try hard enough yeah and so that's also what i've had to figure out for myself i share in the book a, a divorce story that i you know i mean i've only been divorced once but uh you know it was very tough and hard yeah. especially traumatic for my older daughter and and yet i felt like i had to do that to live the story I wanted to. And I had to face those fears of, well, people see you this way, and people expect you to be a, this kind of person, yeah. and I was choosing a different path. Those were huge fears. Huge, yeah. And there were every reason to not do something about that. No, keep going on that then. What do you yeah, mean? Yeah, I mean, every reason. I had, I, my husband and I then had a young baby daughter. Um, I was, you know, he, he was a lovely man. You know, he, he, my parents were very happy that I was married. I had a very nice future in this path. There were a lot of reasons why the fear of, yeah, but this isn't right for me, gets muted. Mm. And you listen to everybody else and you're afraid to take the step. So those would be, I think, the, that was the biggest one for me in my yeah. personal life. Huge. Um, and, um, but then once you make that decision, you just, you like, I gotta make it work. Yeah. But there are pieces of it that aren't gonna work. And I have to give up some of that anxiety uh, and almost kind of give up some of the control. You don't, yeah. you don't control that change often. You yeah. just have to do your best to make it work. I like to think that the universe is happening for us, not to us. Yeah. Um, and also reference Scott Belsky's new book, uh, The Messy Middle. Yeah, which is, like, which is really good. Yeah, yeah. none of this is like, 
it's this way for everybody. There is no, you know, there's, I think, there's, there is, it's, this is, it's, this is called life. Yeah. Right? And I don't know very many divorces that are just obvious and everybody loves it. And yeah. like, that's not, a, it's not yeah, how Yeah, conscious uncoupling wasn't a thing when I was in that stage. Um, so if, if we're going to, to depart from fear for a second and let's shift to sort of radical successful innovation and you get to work closely with Nike yep. on the board there I believe yep and incredible role to be you know a, it's a great a company front row seat yeah. at, a, at one of the most successful and um, thought leader driven uh, companies of all time what is it like and what are the what are the um, characteristics that you see there that you don't see in other companies. Mm. Like, let, let's talk about your, you know, as a professional yeah. business person, your sort of pattern recognition. And my hope is that people at home can like take what's happening at Nike and literally apply it to their own design business or interior decorating yeah. or whatever. And I understand that one is an enterprise, but I'm looking for the commonalities. Yeah. I, I feel like what I want has been just such a great experience. I've been on the board for eight years. Um, it's a great company. I mean, um, they're incredibly focused. Uh, Mark Parker, the CEO, came up through design. Um, he's incredibly focused. Like the word he used a lot is surgical. So they 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 spend time discovering what's next, but they're also really focused on what they choose to do. Uh, he has a phrase, uh, edit to amplify. So he's just really good as a design thinker to sort of take out the stuff that's just noise. Mm. Um, they're surgical on the most important lesson I've learned from them is they know who their customer is. It's an athlete. And everything they do is making the athlete perform better. And I love, it's like that, if you read Shoe Dog, which I highly recommend, Incredible. I think it's one of the best books yeah. of all time from Phil Knight, the found, one of the co-founders. And Bill Bauer and his co-founder had this just great phrase of, you know, you, you know basically you're, if you have a body, you're an athlete. Yeah, there's you know, a their job asterisk, right? is, yeah. is you know, to serve the athlete, asterisk. And hey, by the way, if you have a body, you're an athlete. Yeah. And so that clarity of mission, with a little bit of a wink, yeah. Right? But that clarity of mission, we're going to help athletes perform better. It's every, it, it permeates everything they do. So it's that's not just what, written on the wall it's somewhere. Not, it's, and that's what good strategy is. And I think companies lose sight of that. Uh, so if you have a one-person shop or a 200,000-person shop, keep going back to what am I in this for? Who's my customer? Um, that Peter Drucker quote from the 50s, without a, business, without a customer, there is no business, never yeah. goes out of style. So I think Nike's really good at that. I think the fact that um, Phil Knight, I mean, he's no longer chairman of the board, um, uh, but still that founder ethos yeah. of it, there's somebody around, back to what we were saying earlier, the history, and um, he still cares just immensely. And so there's somebody who, who that history, as a reason to go forward, it still looms large there. And so I think that's another message for any company is, you know, you all started somewhere. Don't lose sight of that ethos. All right. Others? We talked specifically about Nike, but clearly you've seen other companies that are wildly successful at innovating. There were times at GE where you felt yeah. like you really broke out. Um, trends in, in the, the style of thinking or leadership, core values, any of those things that you could... 
Uh, in terms of just companies, yeah. good, good innovation stories? Yeah, yeah, well, and, and less about stories of, of innovation, just the characteristics. Yeah, of what makes a good company. Of, of what makes them be able to innovate and to be able to, like I, I took plenty from Nike, but I also want to explore if there are some others. Yeah, so. well I'd say what I learned from GE is just, um, uh, you know, never forget to make it personal, right? No matter how big a company is, it's about the people, the people who you serve, the people who, who work there. Uh, and so I think a lot of the work was to reinvest and remind yourselves about the people that, mm -hmm. that you build a brand, it starts with your employees. It's not go and advertise it like your employees have to take that message out. Mm -hmm. um, I've had the opportunity to be on the board as a trustee of National Geographic. And I uh, love their storytelling, yeah. right? They're just fearless yeah. storytellers. They, they are really, they're about the human experience. Right? It's not about the globe as much as it is what's the hu shared human experience no matter where you are in the world. Right, you want to talk about global warming, let's, let's go talk to an Inuit family. Exactly. And exactly. it's not about like the science says X, Y, Z. It's like what is this particular you know, native Inuit person's experience yeah. and we'll document that for months. Like and that. you go and you, I've met some of their explorers who I just, I'm, I love these people for a number of reasons because just one, it's cool. Yeah. I'm an explorer, right? That's, professional that's explorer. Cool. I got some, got some um, buddies like that. Yep. These people are like, they teach scuba diving to go be cave divers, right? I don't think people, they don't get paid a lot yeah. to go do the crazy <laughs> things that they do, but they're just, they're, they're just, they want to do better. They want to do better in the world and they want to find something new. Um, so I think, again, back to what's your mission, why are you here, I think those are the most, the best stories I've seen in organizations, big or small. All right, I'm going to pull a couple of quotes okay. from the book, and I'd, I'd like you to respond to them. Discovery is about engaging the world as a classroom to extract ideas that will create the future. Discovery is about engaging the world as a classroom to extract the ideas that will create the future. And I think I'm just trying to, probably echoing what you were saying earlier, just this ability to tap into curiosity and bring it to work. Um, the world is your classroom, and you don't stop learning just because you go to work. You're not, it, it, no one likes to work with a know-it-all. At least I don't. Oh, Maybe know-it-alls like to work with know-it-alls, <laughs> I, like I don't know. I don't know if they like to work with other know-it-alls. They like to be recognized. <laughs> That's right, they like the to be singular know-it-all. Uh, um, let's keep playing this game for okay. a little bit. Who are you waiting for to tell you it's okay? Your boss, your mother, Yoda, grab your own permission. No one is going to give it to you. This is probably one of my favorite quotes because this was just born out of really my, it's one of my favorite parts of the book. It's how I end the book. It's, it's and beautiful, it's, like the Yoda part, a nice curveball in there. It's just because, in, especially in established organizations, people have a million excuses why they can't do something. It's an excuse factor. And sometimes it's true. I don't have enough budget. My boss won't let me. But often, there is a lot of power that they have that they're not exercising. And so, frankly, I get tired when people say, I can't do that. I, I used to do this thing at work. It's kind of goofy, but I'd give permission slips to people. I'd put it in the book just as a, you know, just write yourself a permission slip. Or, that's what a good manager does, a, a team leader. Yeah. I got your back. Hopefully, I'm sure that's what you do with your team, yeah. right? Like, I got your back. You, it's okay. You can't mess up with this. Yeah. What I find is that... Um I, that it's very hard for me to encourage enough. And I don't know if it's me or if it's the organization or, and to be clear, like Creative Live is wildly inventive and disruptive yeah. and all those things. So if it's true in a, you know, a small startup that's focused on creativity and innovation and helping people track down their passions <laughs> and pursue them, 
I can only imagine what it's like. At a, you know, I've literally never been employed, <laughs> so um, for for better or worse. Um, but I have very few times, like, given someone permission, and then felt like they went too far. Yeah. I think this is a this is a really it's something to be prescient of. Like, just think about that for a second. And maybe yeah. I'm a weird leader, but. I don't know if that matches your no, experience. No, I absolutely but, matches yeah. my experience. I mean, rare case you get people who just, yeah. you know, but, yeah. but <laughs> you, you can just bring it in. But you're yeah. right. People are they're afraid they're going to disappoint you. Yeah. I, I had that. I would get that kind of feedback. Like, we don't want to disappoint you. And then you have to do soul searching for yourself. Like, wow, what am I signaling yeah. Yeah. that I'm making it so difficult for them? So then it's back to me. Yeah. Right? So you have to be clear what their issue is. One more quote because I like this game. It's gone well. What we are witnessing is the battle for the future of our businesses. And I think when I wrote that, it was really about this imagination gap. And the reality is that as we get more mechanistic, more algorithms, formulas, coding, um, and we, we squeeze, literally our organizations are squeezing the imagination out of us. They're, it's like you can't breathe in some of them. Mm -hmm. You just can't. And so how are we ever going to have a future if we can't imagine forward the way, I mean, both good and bad. Yeah. Uh, how are we ever going to do that if everybody who works in our companies are robots, uh, literally and figuratively? Um, how are we going to do that? Another quote. The pace of change is never going to be slower than it is today. Yeah. I love that. I took that from a, actually a colleague of mine. I worked with at G Ventures, Sue Siegel, and she would say that a lot. And it's just this wake up, people. Yeah. <laughs> you think you have all this time that you're, especially in companies, well, we're going to do this, and the market's going to unfold this. And then I have this beautiful five-year business plan, and they always all look the same. Nothing, nothing, nothing till like year five, and then it's like shoot to the moon. They never happen. Right? So it's all, and you think you have time. You, especially with the pace of change, the disruptive nature of change now, and all the connectivity in the world, it, whatever you think is fast, it's got to be 10 times faster. 10 times I think, faster. I think, and I think that's where big companies or older companies, and probably even small companies, because you think you got time. I'm small. I got time. Mm. All right, now we're going to play. One last game. Okay. This has been so fun. I, well, I, I agree. It's really okay. been great. Thank I, I, I don't want you to go. I want to. I want to keep you here. But I, I'm to to be respectful to your time. I like the game that I want to play now. Is it's a stretch to call it a game, but you're gonna give advice. You're gonna give advice to three different types okay. of of, of uh, I'll call them organizations. Organization. Of, let's just call it the size of GE. There's. Um, leaders at that business that have had now they just get this amazing opportunity to sit down with you who have so much uh, wealth of experience and who've done it done the work what's what, what advice do you give someone and i understand advice is it could be i don't want you to feel like the, the pressure to have to say the perfect thing yeah. but like there's a you recognize patterns as a leader and there's this um you know again enterprise person who's who, who works there and, and they have an opportunity to sit down with you. What do you tell them about, like, and they say, tell me, you know, presume, presume you know my world because you've lived it. What am I not doing right? What, what, what's the train that's coming that I don't see? Yeah, whatever? well, I think that that is often the conversation I have with people. And I usually just, like, pick your head up and get out and explore and look at things. Start to build patterns, build confidence. Um, because if you don't, you're going to be lost. 
And usually there's some good examples of leaders who've had that situation that scares people also. Yeah. So it's part inspiration, like get out there, you can do it. Yeah. And also part fear, like look at what's happened to other companies or leaders who didn't do that. Um, so I think that's that would be what I'd say to them. That's interesting. It's almost like... What's that phrase? If you think education is expensive, try ignorance. Yeah, exactly. Like if you yeah. think if you think risk is, I like to say that it's the riskiest. Now is the, or the safest thing is the riskiest thing now. Yeah. Like by playing it safe. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. Um, okay, so now we're gonna go to, mid market, sort of a, a middle manager, which whom I think, as I read the book, to me this is, a gold mine for them because it's it's almost like you're talking to that cross-section of the world. Of course, you're talking to, to, to a, a lot of different folks, but there's this ability to affect change for the mid-managers, mid-market, like mid-sized companies. What's the same advice? I'm trying to contrast Yeah, no, I, I'm glad you felt that way because I really did have that person in mind as I wrote this. Oh, I was cool. trying to summon myself then and had that person because they were the people... I frankly liked working with the most yeah. because I think in any organization, these are the people who are making the future. They have enough experience. They're not just starting out. They have enough experience and they're the ones we always call, call out as the problem when really they're so, the solution. You know, and yeah. so I think that's what I say to them. You make this happen. You have the power. Don't tell me the power is not yours. You have it. What are you waiting for? That's that quote. Like, who are you waiting for? Yeah. You know, like your mom, your mom's not here. Although a few times I worked with people who their mother did call. <laughs> I what? Think they, they really needed that quote. <laughs> but um, but they were a little younger usually when their mother called. But um, wow. but um, but that's what I want to say to them is and look every you know most people you you have you, you do have bills to pay responsibilities. There there are good reasons why you don't want to take crazy risks. Mm -hmm. But you can take some risks. Come on, come on, you can. Can you, you, I get to the point where you, you can't live with yourself if you don't risk some of those things. Yeah. And it's, it's also about like protect the, me, like the worst case scenario. Exactly. Yeah, protect that. Yeah. But there's a bunch of scenarios I like Tim Ferriss' approach. You're like, so what's the worst that could yeah. happen and what do you do to recover yeah, from that? Exactly. Oh, not that big a deal. Yeah. Um, all right, now the, the entrepreneurial, self-starter, small business, um, what's, what's your advice for that? Yeah, well, I think one, everybody's got to become more entrepreneurial. So I think we could all, those other two groups could learn from this person. Everybody's becoming, needs to become entrepreneurial. But just because you're entrepreneurial doesn't mean you have all the answers. Like, it's hard work. It's really hard work. And so just because you have a good idea doesn't mean it's going to happen. Just because you want to start a company doesn't mean you should be funded. Uh, just because you have an idea and you're team, your business doesn't mean someone's going to give you the green light to go ahead. You've got to keep working it, make it better, make it better, make it better. Do the hard work. And does that ever stop? No. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not a Bill Gates or a Mark Zuckerberg. I mean, I don't know. Maybe when you get to that level, it's, it doesn't stop. But somehow they seem curious and seem like they're constantly trying to do new things. So I don't think it ever stops. What's next for you? Um, I'm going to get this book into the world, which I'm excited to do. Super um, happy to help with that. Yeah, it's thank incredible. you. I really appreciate your support. Oh, and, it's incredible. Um, and then I'm going to figure out what's next. I'm going to be starting again. I don't know. I'm, I'm actually excited about that. Um, and I, I, I'm saying this to hold, have you hold me accountable and saying it out loud so I can make sure I can have this. But I am going to do something different. I'm going to go down a different path. I'm going to pull out my creative courage. I'm going to find my way to do that. I'll make sure you have a subscription to Creative Live. We'll take I, care yeah, of it. We'll do I whatever definitely we, will do that. We'll take care of whatever we can. Yeah. 
um, place for people to find you on the internet? Yeah, I, um, I'm on all the social platforms. Beth Comstock is generally the best way. Um, I'm particularly, uh, particularly like doing things on LinkedIn, so that's a good place to engage and keep a conversation going. Congratulations. Thank you, it's Chase. Really great talking amazing. to you. I, mean, I don't know. We've, we've been here for five days. I feel like not as long. It's just gone by so fast. Uh, five hours, five minutes. This has been great. Thank you. It's an honor to have you sit here and to be on the show. Um, congratulations on the book. Imagine it forward. Courage, creativity, and the power of change. Incredible book for uh, anyone who wants to aspire to any of those things. And you've done an amazing job of transcending like company size, it's not about that, it's about And I had a great co-writer in Tal Ross who we've talked about as well. Yeah, he's, he's just a really, talented. really talented co-writer who super helped talented. a lot. Um, all right, thank, thank you, you so much so for being on the show. So good to see you, thanks for having me. And for those of you at home, thanks for tuning in, really appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back again, hopefully tomorrow. All right, that about wraps it up, but uh, hey, before you bounce, two quick things. Um, actually, I'm going to go three quick things. Thing one, A, thank you so much for being a part of this community. And I'm not quite sure how you, you landed on this podcast. It doesn't matter to me. The fact that we're all in this together and that we're able to have a conversation is awesome. I feel uh, honored to be in your ears right now and that uh, you've paid attention to what I've been doing, what Creative Live has been doing for some time. And whether it's been a day or 10 years, I just want to say thank you. It's also really important to know on the backside of that that I, I do a lot of responding to comments. So hit me up, on, you know, direct message me on, on Instagram or Twitter or at me. I try and respond as much as possible. So let's have a conversation that transcends me just being in your ears here. Let's try and do it some, somewhere out there in, on the internet land. That's thing one. Thing two, again, I'm not quite sure what channels you pay attention to me and my work, but please go check out. I'm at Chase Jarvis or slash Chase Jarvis or whatever on all the platforms. And it's really important to me. Also, if you wouldn't mind checking out Creative Live, it's something that not only myself, but 120 other committed hardcore badass people come to work every day uh, to build the place where creators and entrepreneurs learn. So check that out. They're just slash Creative Live or at Creative Live all over out there on the internet. All right. Until again, uh, probably tomorrow, I hope I'll hear you. I'll be in your ears maybe tomorrow, and I'll look for your comments on the internet.